0: Welcome to Right to Food. I'm Asha and I'm part of the team of young food ambassadors from across the country working with the Food Foundation to create better access to good food for everyone. We ambassadors have a vision and we've written the Children's Right to Food Charter calling for government action to tackle children's food insecurity and obesity. This week I'm with my fellow ambassadors at Fest in the Chew Valley in Somerset where the Food Foundation is hosting a series of events and talks in our own tent called Youth for Food. It's a weekend full of exploration, discovery and inspiration with over 80 passionate young food advocates just like me.
1: And I remember just thinking at the time, like, if I can do this, I can do other things. I can do anything. I can try and help with the issues that I care about. And I think it was the first time that showed me as quite a young kid that I could go out and change the world um, if I tried.
0: As we all settled into our tents and caught up with our friends from all over the country, who we've campaigned with for nearly three years, I sneaked out to have a chat with Rick Garnett who's worked with ValleyFest for years, and he told me about the vision.
2: So ValleyFest all started uh, with uh, Luke Hazel, who's the original farmer here. Uh, He lost both his parents to cancer and decided to turn the farm uh, organic and really wanted to demonstrate uh, how people can come onto the land and really get involved with farming and how farming should be a conversation with nature. Uh, He also helped set up the community farm here on uh, his land and the community farm uh, was uh, created in a partnership with the local community, with people in Bristol and there's an area where people from diverse backgrounds can come and experience farming they can pick veg, they can uh, interact with all the practices uh, that farming does with nature and the combination of the community farm with Luke's Organic Farm and the idea of the festival is to really bring people together and and to celebrate british farming and the things that we can achieve uh, in a hand by hand with nature
0: the next morning i headed off to the youth food tent where we were all having breakfast and looking forward to a whole day of events and talks Felix is one of our new ambassadors who joined us after appearing on Right to Food to talk about how his family of 11 was dealing with lockdown on minimal resources last year.
3: It's nice to see how, how big it is and it makes you really inspired about what you could do in the future. Um, I'm looking forward to coming to see all the events, hearing the different stories as well. And, and I haven't really been to a festival like a big one like this before, so it's quite nice to have the opportunity to come here because I don't think I would have been able to otherwise.
0: I bumped into Anna and Shane from Porterdown who we met way back in episode three when they were telling us about the holiday clubs in Northern Ireland, which teach the poorest kids to cook. I asked them how they were enjoying the festival.
4: Actually brilliant. Honestly, it's so much better than I expected. Um, there's been so much going on and it's just great to see everyone, especially since we haven't seen each other in so long and everything's been on the screen. So it's great to like be like in nature and to see
5: everyone. Yeah, I've been having a great time as well. I've slightly lost my voice, so I apologise for that texas were on the other night and they brought the house down it was awesome i loved them but yeah it's just been fun to see everyone come together and everyone's so passionate about what we're here to do which is to rally for the children's right to food
0: safi who introduced us to the young people all over the world leading the youth for food global movement in season four of right to food had come to valley fest from portsmouth after our first night in our camp she felt she'd found her people It's actually really, really
4: fun. Like, everyone is just so nice. It's got such a nice vibe. It feels like we've all got a lot closer. And I think where we share so much of the same opinions and viewpoints anyway, it's just getting together is like magic. It's really cool.
0: And like all of us, Safi was here to learn and to be inspired.
4: I'm looking forward to hearing everyone's speeches and hearing what they've all got to say. Because I think everyone's got to say something so unique. It's gonna be
0: really interesting. As we took our seats, blogger, food entrepreneur and TV presenter in Britain and her native India, Shrim Shrakabati, introduced the first session.
6: So Arthur has been a chef for thirty-five years. He's an executive chef for Omwet Gardens in London and the UN Food Programme Advocacy Chef. I mean, really, that's super cool. Arthur's also a chef, foodie, teacher, mentor, and a social entrepreneur, and he's trying to find innovative ways that restaurants and, you know, the food industry can help, you know, bring about change.
0: Chef and campaigner Arthur Potts-Dawson told us about his 30 years of activism in food and how to disrupt the system.
3: You know, food is really hammering the planet. You know, it's doing a lot of damage. And the problem with that is that um, so many big companies are not seeing that happen because they're too busy making money. Um, So the first 20 years, I I was learning how to be a chef. And for the last 15 years, I've been learning how to be an activist inside food. 15 years ago, I opened up a restaurant, which was probably the most, well, the only sustainable restaurant in the country, um, if not the planet. We were looking at reducing the way food impacted on the environment around us. And this was in London. Then I've done a number, another restaurant. Then I did a, a supermarket, which is around looking at food, connecting you know, urban populations with rural populations and getting rid of all the middlemen and, and stopping them from making money. Is about getting people in the field to make money and people who are eating the food to have a better quality food for less money. Um, after all of that, I was asked by big companies to come in and show them the way. Uh, so I've worked in the past with uh, McDonald's, Unilever, um, Ikea, I worked for Ikea Global for four years, changing the way they looked at their food systems. I know it's a bit silly, but Ikea is the seventh biggest food outlet in the world. And we changed from meatballs to veggie balls. We went, we did veggie dogs. We changed the way that the salmon was brought up in the, in the salmon farms in Norway. So, you know, food systems are there to be hacked. Um, and one of the things that we can talk a little bit about is that in Ikea, which is this global uh, company, and they kind of said, yes, we know exactly what you are. You are a disruptive technology. and I thought it was a really interesting saying because I've never labeled myself as something that was disruptive. But actually, we have to disrupt the system that's running at the moment because it's not working. And activism or disruptive technologies is what we're looking for. Activism has been around for a long time. You know, the food systems need to change. There's lots of things happening. There's the UN Food Systems Summit. There's COP26. Um, The Sustainable Development Goals, which you probably know about, although very complicated, need to be understood. And the next 10 years is absolutely imperative. If we don't change over the next 10 years, and you're the people to make the change, you're the people to carry the baton on.
0: It's our turn to be the disruptors, Arthur told us, and that felt really powerful. As he welcomed a panel of young people to the stage, he started with our own ambassador, Dev Sharma from Leicester.
5: So it's not only me, there's so many ambassadors here from Bite Back, from Children's Rights to Food. So can we all give a round of applause to all the Children's Rights to Food ambassadors? As
0: Dev told us why the young people and food are the centre of his campaign, he showed us why he won the Princess Diana Award last year, the highest honour for social action and humanitarian efforts for young people in the UK.
5: We want to put young people at the forefront of the discussion, at the forefront of that movement for change, and we want to replicate what we've done with climate... And replicate that with food. Because food is such a thing. Like, me and you might have our biggest differences, but food connects us. It's one thing that us two can sit, me and Arthur can sit next to each other on a table and talk about or share. The
0: Food Foundation gives us ambassadors a platform to talk about our lived experience with food insecurity. And opens the door to the decision makers and ministers. Dev has gone even further.
5: And I heard about this incredible opportunity to join something called a youth council. And I ran four elections. It was Leicester-wide. Around 10,000 young people in Leicester voted in that election. And I was elected um, with one of the highest votes wow. in the city. Wow! Um, and became the chair of the Young People's Council in Leicester.
3: Yeah. And does that give you any power? I mean, what do you do? do you, can you flex your muscles a little bit when, you're, when you've been voted in? No, so the point of the Young
5: People's Council is to be a representative for young people. I think a lot of young people nowadays, we feel like there's not really someone to represent us. We feel like we're speaking into this empty void and no one's really listening to us. Mm. So the point of a youth council was, where are your representatives? Where are your go-to people? You come to us and we'll go and to decision makers and make change.
3: So, uh, you know, uh, activism and how to be disruptive is by having your voice heard. Mm-hmm. And even if the media are going to shout you down, yeah. you've got social media. You've got all of your mm-hmm. tools um, to discuss how you activate through food. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very important. Dev, thank you so much. Thank we're going to move on and then we're going to open up the floor and we can talk, talk more in, in depth.
0: This panel discussion wasn't just about our ambassadors arthur introduced us to 18 year old amy meek who with her sister ella has been an activist since they were children she is now campaigning to reduce the use of single use
6: plastic through her charity kids against plastic
3: do you think activism comes from passion do you think the two are connected to be an activist you have to be passionate
6: i would say so i mean it's like what yourself and dev said you know I don't think anyone goes into this saying, I'm going to be an activist, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to go and I'm going to label myself this and that is how I want to be perceived. It's more of just, for myself anyway, um, growing up as a young person and being, you know, engaged in nature and always basically being dragged by my parents into the natural environment, like um, rain or shine in the Peak District near where I live, and just developing that love for nature and then from that, when you see the impact that, for example, for us plastic was having on this environment it was really striking and i think that activism is tricky so you obviously need that passion but also a lot of the time you know i think activists young activists are often perceived as trying to be troublemakers or cause mischief but often we're just young people who have this passion for something and want to try and make a difference for it we're not going into it to try and cause anyone difficulties we're going into it to try and make a positive difference despite our age as well
3: yeah nice that's a really good point
6: And so for us, um, especially seeing as the younger generation, you know, the impact that this was going to have, plastics a durable material, it lasts for hundreds of years, this Mm -hmm. is literally an issue we're going to inherit if we don't try and stop it. And so that was when we really started Kids Against Plastic, um, just from that passion and wanting to make a difference on it from there. Um, we've got a few key branches to it that we run. So we've, uh, we're litter picking for a start. It was something we did really instantly after starting our charity. We set ourselves the goal of picking up 100,000 pieces of plastic, mm. which is one for every sea mammal killed by plastic in the oceans every year. Mm. Um, so we're on 95,000 pieces now. So oh,
3: okay. fingers crossed we'll be Keep there going. soon. 95,000 pieces litter of of picking. <laughs>
0: Wow. The final panellist for the first session... 19-year-old Maya Rose Craig showed us how a childhood hobby can lead to an amazing career as a professional campaigner.
1: The way that I got involved in activism and campaigning and environmentalism was totally just through a love of nature. I come from a family of birdwatchers. And throughout like my whole childhood, um, I spent all my weekends going out birding, birdwatching with my family and I built a very strong connection to nature mm. um, which set me off on my journey because when I was 11 like my friends were all really chill about it but none of them were like particularly interested in birding and I decided I wanted to go online and make some friends that are interested in the same things that I was
0: Her work as a child conservationist to help with the environmental impact of a major oil spill in Bangladesh raised $35,000 um, okay.
1: and You know, I I was really young at the time and I just was using that little bit of online platform that I had and it was major and it was so exciting and it helped. And I remember just thinking at the time, like, if I can do this, I can do other things. I can do anything. I can try and help with the issues that I care about. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the first time that showed me as quite a young kid that I could go out and change the world um, Mm -hmm. if I tried.
3: Yeah, yeah, Um, absolutely. (laughs) You can change the world.
1: The first session came to an
0: end and i asked dev's mom dara how she felt about being here at bali fest and to see her son on stage oh,
7: i feel really really nice like you know because this is first time i'm coming in this big festival like you know we have never we've been to few festivals but this is like a proper like you know it's like a all other communities i feel literally we feel literally proud my son is like touchwood like you know he's doing so well for all community like you know from there as well, we're learning something new. As, a, as a parents, we learning something new as well. Like, you know, okay, okay we're doing something wrong in this way. And the kids, these young kids, are like literally making us so proud. Really nice.
0: And as Dev came bouncing out of the tent, he was totally lit up. And not just from being on stage.
5: This is like a family holiday. I've got my mom, I've got my dad, my brother, my cousins, <laughs> my three cousins. I it. It's so incredible. Like, um,. I, I can't express into words. I saw my mom. I saw my dad, I saw their faces. And for them, like, COVID has been such a hard time for everyone. For them to see me in front of 100 young people speaking on stage, oh, like, it was incredible, just being on stage, being able to speak to an incredible audience. Um, but I'm so glad that I got to share that experience that moment with my mum and dad.
0: But I asked him why he felt it was so important to join up with so many other young
5: campaigners. With, with any campaign, you have to listen to the young people, right? You have to listen to the people it really affects. That's the heart of the issue. You can't go out in your ivory tower and campaign something and go in the media. You have to be around the people it experiences, which has been hard over COVID. We've had to meet people over Zoom. This event value fest has brought together a hundred youth activists all passionate about the food in all the different ways some people about sustainability some people about food poverty some people about advertising and we can all have a discussion a debate see how we can put our powerful voices together to create real change but also hear their lived experiences these people have like gone over the globe, like the panelists with me, they've gone to uh, they've gone to Geneva, spoke of the United Nations. There's people in the audience who've gone to Downing Street. They've gone to the Scottish Government. They know their stuff. They know their local community. They've experienced. It. They have lived experiences. And once we come together, we can really share that. We can, you know, we can create this shared goal, this shared ambition, and then really see what is the issue where do we need to tackle it, and let's do it together. Let's be 100 voices together then one, rather than one lone voice.
0: Arthur Potts-Dawson was pretty blown away by the passion he'd seen on stage, but also in the audience.
3: The intelligence levels of these children, I mean, it's not fair to say the children, but you know, they're 16, 17, 18 years old, and they are talking about top-level narratives uh, that run all the way through to number 10 and they're knocking on the door and running away, you know, and that is real passion and depth of knowledge, and... You know they're almost born into activism. I think nowadays, and I think that, you know, when I first started 15 years ago, I was already, you know, 30 years old. And you know, and the fact that they're starting at 11, 12, 14, 17, it's what we need. It's what this planet needs: is people to stand up and and activate what it is they believe in from a young age. And it, I mean, I'm just blown away. I couldn't. I, I just wanted to keep asking questions.
0: But a festival is much more than talks. And as we walked around the huge site, the atmosphere was really good fun. There were DJ tents and food tents and chef demos and young troubadours punting their show. We watched kids and parents play at the community farm. I asked Rick Garner if those kind of ideas could really help young people make better connections and choices with food that they eat.
2: Um, I mean that's a very interesting question Um, it's very easy sometimes to have a discussion about food and it be some kind of almost an alien place, farms are places where food is produced and nobody really understands the processes I think it's very important that people come into nature, come onto farms interact with uh, all sorts of different types of people and understand that the the food system is broad and vast, uh, has lots of uh, interesting people involved in it and and everybody needs support in in, in the food industry from the farmer to the distributors to the retailers to the purchasers and that interaction comes where we can have a celebration we can have a conversation Uh, the community farm is just one access into that, Uh, Valley Fest is one access into that, it brings all these things together, I mean a lot of the time when people are talking about food and food poverty in cities they don't feel that they can go into the countryside, see where their food is produced, have that conversation conversation with farmers but really something like this is and the youth to, uh, youth for food festival is really bringing together all those disparate parts where we, they can understand well actually there's a physicality to food and that as, as well as campaigning to mps we have to bring everybody together we have to move forward as a group uh, farmers need support that the Countryside needs support. You know, there's a lot of food poverty in the countryside that we never discuss. Um, so yeah, I think I feel that there's there's an opportunity at Valley Fairs and at the Youth for Food uh, Festival for all of us to have that broad conversation, to come together on the important you know the important matters, and really focus down on how we move forward together.
0: But when you've got a tent full of teenage activists on a Saturday night, it's only a matter of time before the music starts. <coughs> As DJ Hip Hop cranked up the volume, we took to the dance floor. But this was no ordinary disco. This was disco soup. A mashed chopping of surplus veg to the sound of activist foodie hip hop. It was time to get into the mosh pit for the night. Safi and her mates Amy and Holly were glittered up and ready to rock a bit of a fantasy outfit or two.
4: Um, we're going to go see tonight's headliners. Yeah, some live music for once in 18 months. Big crowd. <laughs> we went yesterday. We saw we saw Texas last night. We and were right at the front. We danced. We jumped. were in front as well? We were at the very front. I was the one oh. that like, spoke to her. That was me. <gasps> no, I'm so
6: jealous. Yeah. Oh, my God. Was oh, so God. I was like, oh. at the side. So now we're going
4: to try and get to the front tonight. <laughs> Amy is currently sporting a pink <laughs> dress with <laughs> hot <laughs> pants. And a unicorn horn with glitter all around her face. Oh, my God. Cheeky, cheeky one piece, you know. Yes. Unitard. <laughs> flares on the arms. Like a mullet man. Like mullet man. Mullet man we man we on the got an bottom. inspiration she from a dancer like, oh, yeah. last night. Yeah. I hear tassels all down him. I'm yeah. wearing um a short skirt and some fairy wings. They're as big as my
0: head. Sunday was another day, packed with talks and events. I caught up with Anna and Shane, who still hadn't got his voice back and asked them what they'd learned already. Um honestly a lot about farming and like
4: sustainable farming and there's so many things that I didn't even know existed, like just completely
5: just been unaware of. It's something I've learned has been like different ways people are tackling it aside from like how we are. Like I think I had a very closed view of like this is how we do things. Until now, and I can see that like, people are tackling different ways and there is debate on what the best way to go about that is and it's been really interesting to hear about.
0: But after so much talk and inspiration, how can we make the kind of changes that we need to see in our world? i found fellow food ambassadors and stars of Right to Food, Faith, Rabia and Janai, and asked them how we can nail
8: our broken food system. If the farming's not done correctly and if um, supermarkets aren't buying from local farms rather than internationally or even globally wide then we can't solve anything within the uk but if we can get it within the uk then we can go straight to the farmers help them with what they need and also speak with the supermarkets so a local food system being here has opened up all of our
7: eyes a lot especially like at the food system as a whole as well because you don't really think about how it gets to the shelf at the supermarket like Robbie was saying so i fit i feel like The first thing we need to do is look at the food system as a whole and not just one aspect of it. At the end of the day, it's a system, it's a cycle. So if there's issues in one part, it's going to overlap
0: into another part. Rabia and Janai had picked up on the complexity of the whole food system, but I wanted to know how to nail food poverty. I heard someone on the panel saying
9: we're not in food poverty because we have enough food for everyone. We're just in... We're in a place where people aren't being given enough money for the jobs they're doing. So in the, at the end of the day, you can always lower the prices for food, but then the government could always just lower how much money we're being given. So nothing could necessarily be done about it. Everything's just always being kept in a loop of not being having enough money to get this.
8: I think it's about um, confronting the government because... Like Asha said, we have the supplies, but we need a solution where the government can provide people who from lower income with a substantial amount of money, or whether it's a scheme to get them sort of people um, the food that they need. So I think it's more so about confronting the government and confronting the people that need to sort this, and then we can take it from there. Um, families on like universal credit.
7: Forty percent of those families live in food in food insecurity, and the government have no um, real aim to like do anything about it. So I feel like that is another thing, major thing that is a big thing. And also families that are just outside of that, because they are still struggling as well. Families that aren't on school, free school meals still struggle to get money for their kids to go to school and get a substantial lunch. So I think it's massively about making the government accountable
0: because I feel like there's no excuse anymore. We can't wait for the government to increase universal credit or to make sure the poorest people are protected against food insecurity. They've kicked off the discussion about how we can learn to cook good, affordable food at home.
9: If people don't actually start teaching how people can cook using healthier foods, local foods, how to actually buy healthier foods for cheaper and how to turn the simplest things into a meal, then we're not going to get anywhere. People who are living in food insecurity, people who are just above the line to actually getting help from the government, knowing how to have the right diet... But with being able to spend less money, it's not also about like local food. It's about getting kids to eat vegetables, because most kids have grown up on unhealthy food that they've only been able to afford, and they've been put off vegetables. So it's about learning to make new flavors that they'll enjoy, and just like having the skills to know what works and what tastes good. I think that everyone just needs to take a step back and think what can I create that's original, um, that means something to me and my family.
8: I've had to teach myself how to cook and I think... um, all the young people and even older people, they should know how to cook and have that skill for them because that can get them so far. Even if they've got leftovers in the fridge, you can sometimes make a meal out of it. Sometimes they're very basic foods that not many people will eat because it's not part of their culture it's not part of their background. So I think if we make a wider variety in how to teach these cooking skills, um, we'll get further along. My parents came from Pakistan and India. When they came here, they bought their recipes and their flavouring and all of that with them. So I've always had that sort of cultural food. And even till this day, it's cultural food. But if we, let's say, make a lasagna or make a shepherd's pie, we'll add that Indian flavouring flavoring into it. So it's always got that seasoning and you know, that flavour around it. So I think I've never really had the opportunity to say, yes, I've had a full, proper British dish. Just
7: to pick off on that point um, about, like, having a British dish, you don't know what to do with it, do you know what I mean? Because when you grew up in, like, a house of, like, culture, my grandparents are from the Caribbean, so we eat Caribbean food. But I've noticed that the cook of the family, but they don't know how to cook. British food because they've never they didn't grow up on it they don't they don't know what to do with it so it's just like they're just doing what they've grown up with and I'm not complaining because it was good food.
0: Rabia and Janai had raised a really good point what is British food how can we learn to cook something that doesn't have anything to do with who we are there's a huge lack of connection between the way we live and the way we eat other people are so
9: connected
8: to food with their culture and everything, but we just don't have anything to correspond to. It's hard to connect to it, because as a child, I'd be very insecure about it, because I always used to hear, you know, curry is a smelly and whatnot, but now that I've gotten older, I've embraced the fact that it's not smelly, it's the flavouring, it's the seasoning, and that's what brings me joy out of it, because I know it's part of my roots, and it's part of me, and To see that so many British people actually enjoy a good curry on a Friday night. So I think I've finally learned to embrace that instead of being embarrassed about it. So I think now we're moving more into the development and becoming connected with other people's cultures if we can't create our own. (laughs) We're just a bunch of thieves.
0: It was time to go back to the camp, pack up our tents, and head home to continue campaigning from our own bedrooms. We've learned so much about what we eat and what it has to do with politics poverty, health, culture and climate change. We'd heard from young people like us, both in the tent and via Zoom, as youth leaders from India and Kenya, Lebanon and Nicaragua told us about Act for Food, Act for Change, the global youth movement calling on governments and businesses to take urgent action to transform our global food system. You'll be hearing more about that in Right to Food as the youth leaders participate in the UN Food System Summit and COP26 in Glasgow in November. And you can follow our campaign to make sure that every child in the UK has access to healthy, affordable food online and through social media at Food Foundation. Thanks for listening.